I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Jim Fadling with me on the podcast as we have a conversation about the spiritual discipline of renewing our minds. And her new book, which was written on this topic and is called Hold That Thought, Sorting Through the Voices in Our Head. Jim is a founding partner of Unhurried Living, which is a nonprofit that trains people to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. She's also a certified life coach and a trained spiritual director, and she hosts a podcast, which is called I Can Do That. And she's also co-authored another book called What Does Your Soul Love, which is eight questions that reveal God's work in you. Well, welcome, Jim. It's so fun to have you back on the podcast today. I know. I'm so pleased to be with you again. Thank you. (laughs) Well, last time you were here, we got to have a great conversation around your favorite scripture, which was John 15, about how we need to remain in Christ and that the fruit that bears in our lives. And I just loved that conversation so much. In fact, I'll put a link in the show notes for anybody that wants to go back and listen to it. Um, and it's just so fun to have you back again. I just feel in many ways that we're just kindred spirits. And so it's fun to have another conversation with you. I completely agree. I was sharing with my husband this morning. I'm like, I get to talk to Jody again. It's going to be so great. <laughs> it's so fun how you just know that there are people that you just have this soul level connection with. And yeah, so yeah, that's, that's just yeah. the kindness and sweetness of God. So it's a gift. It yeah. is. Well, before I dive in, I do want to remind you all that we are in a series where we're exploring some different spiritual disciplines. And that's really just another way to say these are practices that we can use in our lives to participate with God in our spiritual growth and our spiritual formation. And so we are talking today about the very critical spiritual discipline of renewing our minds. And I think that actually starts with noticing what we're actually thinking. (laughs) And I think a lot of times we just think thoughts and we let our thoughts run out in front of us and we aren't really thoughtful about what we're thinking. And so I want to start there, Jim, and have you tell us why you believe it's critical for our spiritual formation that we notice our thoughts and where do we even start with noticing them? I think this conversation uh, starts, uh, it's, it's a large conversation. And it's actually a large conversation inside a larger conversation, which is, it stems from Psalm 139, where it says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So I like to acknowledge right up front, actually, that we have thoughts, we have feelings, we have gut instincts. Um, There's a nervous system that somehow all of this is connected and happening in a split second. So sometimes it's hard to even know, was it a feeling first or a thought first or, you know, because we're usually there's this stimulus and then reaction, right? So with that little bit of preface, I like to step in and we have, we're having this little micro conversation about just our thoughts, Mm -hmm. because sometimes 
we can access them a little easier. It depends, I suppose, on your wiring, but I can actually choose to pause and notice what's going through my brain at any given moment. And I think that's a grand invitation because that's a gift of grace. Um, I can discern and I can choose. Mm-hmm. And so this, this discipline of being transformed by the renewing of our mind is it's a cooperative invitation because it says be transformed. And so part of the discipline is uh, our learning to grow in, uh, I've said this before, but in receptivity. What is God up to? How can I cooperate with that? And noticing my thoughts instead of being trapped by my thoughts or pushed down mm-hmm. by my thoughts mm-hmm. or um, any number of ways you can describe what happens. Yeah. <laughs> instead of that, um, to know that I'm in a journey here of God showing me, God is transforming mm-hmm. me. So I love just the fact that we get to cooperate with him in that. And even what you said just about this journey of receptivity, and in order to receive what God has for us, we actually have to have enough margin or space in our life to pause long enough to evaluate some of the things that are swirling around in our lives, whether they're circumstances or uh, just feelings that we keep having, or as we're talking about today, just the thought life, what's happening between our ears. And I think, well, tell tell me what's the real danger then in letting our thoughts just go unexamined as people, like you said, in Psalm 139 that are fearfully and wonderfully made. What if we don't examine our thoughts in light of that? Yeah, well, it's, I think we just remain unhealed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Henry Nouwen said something about emotions, you know, only the emotions that we don't feel um, go unhealed, right? I think you could, I don't think he would mind if I did translate that over to thoughts. It's only the thoughts that you don't examine that go unhealed, right? This, um, if we're, if we don't think we have enough time to pause and take care of what's going on here in our minds and here in our hearts, um, then there is a lot of freedom and wholeness that we are missing out on. And I know that some people um, don't do it because they're afraid. What will I see? What will I feel? That's too much. I can't mm-hmm. handle that. And I understand that. And so that's why we always remind ourselves that you you only have to take the step that you can take, mm-hmm. right? So be open to see the thought that is next available for you to look at give yourself a little courage boost and and just allow yourself to see it. I think that's, you use, use the word notice. And that's the first step in a practice that I talk about inside the book. Noticing is a beautiful, gentle word, and you can simply start there. Mm. Can you just let yourself see what's happening? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I, I know the first time that I really realized that I was letting my thoughts run away and not examining them, not noticing them, not paying attention to them was right after I got married and my husband was doing some traveling and I imagined every worst case scenario in the book. And I imagined the plane would crash and the car would crash and he'd get shot in the street. I mean, like if there was some way that he was going to get killed, I imagined it and I would fall asleep crying. I would cry myself to sleep because I was so afraid. 
And it wasn't until I stopped and first of all, put truth back in my mind about not worrying about tomorrow. It has enough worries of its own. And, And if any of those terrible things happened, we would walk through that situation. But to sit here and fret about an imagined scenario was only just creating anxiety. And what, what I found is, as you were just saying, even is what was it that was unhealed in my life? And it was really a lack of trust in who our God is and that he was good. And so slowing down helped me and examining that thought actually did bring healing, which is exactly what you're saying and helped me open my hands on this person, which I can't control their life anyway, (laughs) and learn to trust God that we'll be okay. Anyway, that's a that's a long illustration, but that was the first time I really noticed how much my thoughts could impact me um, and actually just destroy me and and debilitate me in a lot of ways. Um, one of the things that I love about your work is that you identify seven voices that we tend to struggle with. And uh, I love I love all of them. <laughs> well, I don't love all of them. I love your creativity in all of them because you've given them names and you've helped us uh, see what they are. So tell us, what are these seven voices that you have noticed uh, that we tend to struggle with? And I'd also love, how did you decide on these seven voices and why not 85? (laughs) Right, right. Well, because, you know, you only have, you know, less than 200 pages to make a point. (laughs) Right. You're going to lose people eventually. (laughs) That's the, that's the logistical, but yeah. So um, well, why don't I say the voices first and then I yeah. can tell you some of the behind the scenes of how they came to be. Cause that's, those are the fun conversations too. But um, so I've got the stressed achiever and the positive thinker, the inner critic, the anxious controller, the complaining victim. She's real fun. Um, the passive spectator. They're all so fun. The passive spectator and the unsettled heart. And so, yeah, there's only seven. There's so many more. I mean, after you write a book, of course, you have all these ideas about the other things you could have said. I mean, you could add in, you know, um, your inner child right. or, you know, the voice of your mom or, you know, I'm saying like, there's so many voices that, that come into play, but I tried to um, think around a circle of um, voices I've encountered and then sort of the different aspects of the kinds of voices. And you've got the worrisome ones. You've got the ones who are achieving. You've got the ones that are holding back, the ones that feel like something's missing. Mm -hmm. And so um, it started as all things do. This is super behind the scenes. Um, You know, when you propose a book, you you offer chapter ideas to your editor and you say, this is where I'm headed. Um, But then um, she saw in just a little list I made, it, it had four. In a chapter, I was going to talk about these four voices. And she looked at that and she thought, that is, there, there's the heart of your book. Can you make more voices and let's talk about them? Wow. So um, that's, so I expanded it to seven and tried to, you know, encapsulate all that. But I think everyone who reads the book will identify with at least one or two. And I think most of us identify with almost all of them at one time or another. Mm-hmm. So did you find that to be true as you look? Yeah, at I did. As I was reading it, I was like, oh, I see hints of them. There's definitely one or two, and I'm yeah. not sure I'm going to be vulnerable enough to tell you, <laughs> but there's one or two. I'm, okay. Anxious 
achiever. What's what's that one? Oh, stressed achiever. Stressed achiever. She's she's my girl, and we've, yeah. we've been working. <laughs> we've been working on her. But the other ones, um, I did identify with pieces as you were expanding. I'm like, oh yeah, that right there. That thought creeps in. I do that. So yes, I definitely identified with aspects of all of them. Yeah, it's what happens is each one of these takes their turn sort of behind the wheel, right? And um, starts driving your car around. And all of a sudden, that's when you need to notice because you're like, wait a minute, I'm in the back seat, someone else is driving, and now I'm down a road I didn't intend to go. Yeah. And so that's why we want to notice, like, we just want to wake up, wake up, what's happening right now? And then we just, we get honest and curious, honest and curious. Mm -hmm. And again, I think those are invitational words. So see what's going on. So for me, um, I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. And um, I got myself to a point actually where in semi-recent history, I struggled with an anxiety attack because I think it was a combination of the stressed achiever um, and the inner critic. They got wound up in all the, you know, you're never going to get this done. You're not doing it good enough. What are people going to think? I mean, all these thoughts were in there, uh, but I wasn't really addressing them obviously in ways that ultimately helped because I ended up needing to call my therapist. <laughs> I, I really got wound up because like you said, we were building unhurried living, my husband and I, the first four years of it, you're really from nothing, you make something occur, right? Right. And there's a lot of moving parts to that. And so um, my ambition, my drive, my achiever spirit, which there's nothing wrong with those, but when they get kind of attached to the anxiety and the stress and the pushing. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. very unhealthy for me until my body started talking to me and saying, you can't keep living like this. That's like a classic, the body keeps the score, right? Like at some point, our body is going to tell us too far. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now you have to, now you're having a forced pause (laughs) or you're going to need to get some help because you're either over-functioning at a very unhealthy level or you're, you're crashing. Um, And I, I can't imagine anybody that's listening to this that has not been there. And if you haven't been there, well, get ready. (laughs) It will happen. I mean, it's just, it just does. Was that not encouraging? (laughs) It was so not encouraging. I know it's true because there's, you know, we get, we can get triggered by things in any number yeah. of ways. So yes, of course, it's not fun. And yes, it's that hyper vigilance and the the hyper caring about what others think. And I then there's you know metrics that come in. There was just this perfect storm when you're building and creating something that you can get yeah. caught up in. And it depends on where your focus is, whether or not your heartbeat will. Because <laughs> my heart was beating fast. I couldn't take a deep breath. And this went on for like almost a month. And I was like, what is happening to me? So uh, again, there's many reasons for that. There's stuff going on in our body and all that. But you know, I wrote a book about thoughts. So one thing we can do is what were the thoughts that led me to this driven, anxious mode? Mm-hmm. And could mm-hmm. I could I look at them with God and sort of just discern, okay, what's going on here? What are they? What can we do with that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, God, can you please help me here? Because clearly I'm not managing this in a way that's good for me. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the two you struggled with. Give us a glimpse into another one of the thoughts and what does that look like? Yeah. So another one that, uh, especially in the first half of my life, I think 
um, she went awry. I call them she, cause I don't know, I'm a woman. So maybe I'm just <laughs> biasing toward that. <laughs> um, the positive thinker can get you in trouble. And, and sometimes people are like, why mm. they all sound so foreboding, the complaining victim and the anxious controller. And then you have this voice called the positive thinker. And um, I think she gets me in trouble be- at her worst when she goes into denial. I think that's the lowest form, mm. right? Because in that chapter, I actually talk about a spectrum from positive thinking, which uh, at its worst would be toxic positivity, which we've been hearing about, right? That's complete denial. It's all going to be fine. And you're not dealing with anything. And it sounds great on the surface, right. but you're just creating some sort of hidden closet full of things, right? Right. So toxic positivity, all the way up to optimism, which I think is a beautiful virtue, mm-hmm. you know, all the way to hope. Mm. So we want to remember again, there's so many things because I'm a spiritual director, of course, I care very much about process. And so what would it look like to open our understanding from positive thinking all the way to optimism, all mm. the way to hope? And so the, the, what you want to watch for in your positive thinking, I, I open with Scarlett O'Hara, of course, fiddle dee <laughs> you know, if it doesn't go the way I want, then that's okay. I'm just going to turn my bonnet laden head and walk out the door and you all just manage. Um, that's not a good way to live. <laughs> So much is unaddressed. So yeah, the the for the positive thinker, um, can we just be aware that optimism and hope are great, mm-hmm. but not at the expense of not acknowledging what's actually happening. Yeah. We're not healed unless we can acknowledge what is occurring so that we can see where we are, where we've been, where we're going. So yeah, the positive thinker is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> as a, I imagine you you kind of formed an affinity for each of them as you were really, really examining them. Um, okay, so this is super helpful. Thinking about, so the way that that our thinking can go awry and in all these different directions. And I love that you give us these spaces to identify what they potentially are. What I think is even more helpful is the very practical tool that you give us to practice as a spiritual discipline to transform our mind. And so I want you, you you started talking a little bit about it just a few minutes ago when you brought up the word notice. So tell us, tell us what this tool is and just, just guide us through how to use it. Yeah. So it's, it's called notice, discern and respond. And then I shortened it to NDR because you got to have an acronym, evidently, just to make it easier. So you can try NDR for yourself. Uh, But it's the words are simple. I think they're invitational. Um, They first showed up in my husband, Alan's book, An Unhurried Leader. He has a practice in there called unhurrying your thoughts. And so he introduced this. Um, I was, I just thought that was such a beautiful practice. I just blew it up really big inside my book and I'm, I'm unpacking it as one way that we can work with our thoughts. So the first thing I like to say about notice, discern and respond as I talk about it is there's this beautiful quote by Viktor Frankl. And it says between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And in our choice lies our growth and our freedom. So you can see where anything I'm saying before this comes straight from that. And I trust Viktor Frankl because of his life. I mean, when you're a Holocaust survivor, you can say things and I will listen because you lived. He lived this in the worst of circumstances. He came to see that he had a choice, which is just 
astounding to me. Yeah. So I think to myself, if Viktor Frankl could come to that point, surely in my life of leisure compared to what he suffered, in that space that he talks about, one option is NDR. Mm. There's a lot of things you could put in that space to discern what's going on, but NDR is just one. So he's saying there is a space between stimulus and response. So notice, discern, and respond. The first word is notice, which we talked about. Can you be open enough to simply see what is happening? And as we mentioned, it does require that you believe that you have the time to do so. So you're probably going to have to do a little bit of inner work about what you think about the time that God has given you. Mm. And so that you would take, because you can do this once you grow accustomed to what NDR is, depending on if the thought is just a a regular day-to-day thought, you can do a turnaround in just a couple of minutes. If it's a long-standing, this goes back decades, I've been wounded, that's going to take some time. I understand that. But in the day-to-day, getting through your day, (laughs) you you could just... Believe that you could pause for two minutes and go, okay, what's happening right now? My shoulders are up. My brow is furrowed. My jaw hurts. I've got a stomach ache, whatever it is. And you're noticing. And then usually my body tells me something first, right? I can't take a deep breath. And then I go, what in the world am I thinking about right now? Oh, and there she is, right? Mm. The stressed achiever. You're not going to get this done in time. You you will know very quickly what my thoughts are. Usually it's about, um, it's ironic that I run an organization called Unhurried Living, and but I still feel time pressure because of the culture we live in. Of course. Yeah. Of course I do. So this is a practice I practice all the time. The other thoughts I have very often are whether or not um, it will be good enough. There's a perfectionism inside of me. I want it to be really good. And then what will other people think? You know, These are the ones that come crashing together. So if I can pause and find out inside of myself which one's careening around my brain and even just notice it for one one minute. What are people going to think? Okay, well, there she is. Mm-hmm. What if I just took a breath right now? And really what can happen with NDR is um, there's a metaphor, an image I like to bring to mind. I've already used the car image, but there's another image that really goes with NDR, and that is the inner dining table. So you're at the long rectangular dining table. The mom and dad are at the heads. The kids or the guests are on the side typical 50s TV show, right? (laughs) Well, inside of you, you have your own inner dining table. And ideally, because it's your life, you sit at the head of your table. So what happens is these voices push us out, or we walk away or whatever happens. And one of the voices or thoughts is now sitting at the head head seat running the show. So when I'm noticing what I'm doing is I'm turning and I'm looking, I'm going, oh, (laughs) I'm not (laughs) sitting in my chair. Look who's there. It's the stressed achiever. It's the inner critic. So I walk over to the chair and I say, um, thank you for your insights. Would you please get up? And there's a beautiful chair for you right here on the side. And then I sit down. That's noticing. Mm -hmm. Discerning. Now I can turn to that thought sitting at the table next to me. And instead of shaming or guilting or denying, I just have a conversation. There's no condemnation. Just, Mm -hmm. hey, what's up? (laughs) Right? Get curious. Yeah. You know, and just, and I know, I know this all sounds weird. I'm having a voice in my head and I'm talking to it, but we all know (laughs) what we're talking about. We all have multiple conversations in our heads all day, every day, right? You know, you've got this wacky voice and then you have this voice of reason that comes in. We've all done that. So that's all this is. It's just an image for that. Um, Just listen and don't shame. You know, in internal family systems, of course, they would talk about befriending 
I love that idea. They never shame or guilt or push away. The invitation is to befriend the voice because all the parts of us want to be seen and heard and loved. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. There's a clamoring for that for all different kinds of reasons. And so discerning is that conversation. And usually when you, by the time you move to the R, which is response, something will have emerged that seems fairly obvious. Like you'll have a chat and you'll realize who was there. And even just that much can move you to a change, right? Like, oh, the inner critic is running today. No wonder my jaw's tight and my brow is furrowed because I'm hearing this isn't good enough. You got to get this better. It's got to be perfect. Okay. I hear you. How about this? I'm going to do my best right now. And I'm going to offer it to whoever I give it to with an open heart. Hmm. I'm going to do that. That's my response. And I didn't shame the inner critic. I listened and I went, oh yeah, I see you. One of the, there's a, it's, I don't know if it's a formula. It's a little thing I, I like to use where it's like, this is what I used to do, but now I'm choosing to do this. And so I use that a lot with myself. Yes, these are the thoughts I'm accustomed to. This isn't right. No one's going to love it. Who's going to, what are they going to think? That's my typical mode. But today or right now, I'm going to choose to believe that I'm offering my best. I'm going to let God be concerned about the outcomes. And then I can free myself in just a gentle shift. So I, I hope this isn't sounding too overly simplistic. I know when you're talking about something in bullet points like this, it can sound like, well, all you have to do is this and then you'll be all better. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It is difficult. And I don't think it sounds overly simplistic. I think it's concise, right? You're giving it to us in a very concise format and it's digestible. It's something we can hold in our, our mind in DR. Okay. I can remember that, but it, it, it is something that takes practice. And I think what, even what you just mentioned a few minutes ago, the practice gets easier the more we do it. it. In the beginning, we probably need to carve out some more space. And and like you said, we may need a counselor, especially if we're dealing with a, something that has been just handed down to us. And we've been thinking for years or was told to us as a child, and we're carrying that wounding with us. We may need yeah. some more professional support. It may not be something that we can do on our own, whether that's a counselor or, or a spiritual director or a coach of some sort all kinds of different avenues for that, depending on, you know, what we're dealing with. But I do think with any practice, it gets easier, it gets more natural. And all of a sudden the loop gets shorter, the, you know, and you're like, Oh wait, I see you. And, and you need to move over now because that's not actually your seat at the table anymore. (laughs) Um, And I even love that, that image. You know, one of the things that I kept thinking when I was reading your book was I kept thinking about the magic art of tidying up, which is a book that I read years ago (laughs) when I wanted to get my house in control and like tidy it up. But one of the things that she did is she would go through her closets or whatever and things she wasn't using. She would say, thank you for your service. And then she would give it away. And I just kept thinking when you're saying, Thank you for thank you for being here and for helping me see that right now. I kept thinking it's like the magic art of tidying up our brains. <laughs> yes. We're saying because we sh- we can't just shun it because then we've we've labeled it bad and there like you said there is at the root it's going to teach us something it's going to bring us healing. It may not be a helpful thought. Um but at the root at the core 
the Lord has something to teach us that is helpful for our spiritual well-being and our transformation and helping us become, like you said, back in the beginning, Psalm 139, fearfully and wonderfully made, helping us cling to that truth and embrace it. So I don't think it sounds simplistic. Yeah. I, I love that you're using the words helpful and unhelpful. Those are terms that I used in the book as well. And I, I think we need to be very careful about judging a thought good or bad or positive or negative because we may not know. It's all useful for the journey. Now, it, but helpful and unhelpful, those are non judgmental yeah. terms. This is, you can say with, confidence. This is not helping me right now, right? right. This is not helping me be who I want to be or, or in relationship to others or myself or God, what's a more helpful yeah. way forward. And so, you know, yeah. some people would think anger or sadness are bad, but they're not bad. Underneath them is a wound or a hurt or a concern. And again, can we get uh, brave enough to traverse that sort of deep dive into the basement to find out what's under the anger or the sadness. We don't want to call them bad. Usually they're good because they are a really good pointer. They're pointing to something that we can pay attention to. And um, again, I suppose ultimately under undergirding this conversation too, is how much do you want to be transformed? If you want to be transformed at your deepest levels, then that means becoming more and more open to going deeper into things so that you can get to the roots. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to the passage that we meditated on in the scripture meditation, Romans 12, two, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Uh, Being conformed to the pattern of this world is letting our thoughts just go wherever they're going to go and letting the world kind of make all its impositions on us, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. And you've just given us a great tool for that. And then what do we get out of it? Transformation. Yes. But also then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing and perfect. will. what a gift, what a gift. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this. And, and the beautiful book you've written is to lead us into what God has for us in a fuller, deeper way, because it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Yeah. So I just love that. Yeah, it's a great practice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. You have encouraged us and you have equipped us today. And so I'm really grateful for that. So thanks for being making some space to be with us today. It's always wonderful to be with you, Jody. Thanks so much. You know, there is a lot more to say on this topic. I think you and I could have talked probably another hour at least. Um, And that's why you wrote an entire book on it. So I do want to encourage everyone to go grab a copy of Hold That Thought, Sorting Through the Voices in Your Head. It is beautiful as well as just really thoughtful. And um, I truly have really enjoyed it. I'm super excited to let you know that we do have a discount code in the show notes. So grab that, grab a copy, and also just thank you again for joining us on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we're creating space to listen. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us 
through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.